Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm glad you're here. And um, this uh, tonight is, is a really special time uh, to obviously celebrate and remember the birth of our Savior Jesus, our King Jesus. And um, later on, we'll have uh, candle lighting, and, and it's just a special time. We also um, tonight have um, a few other churches that are joining us, and um, oh, and there's Dan and Amy walking past. <laughs> there's Dan Knight and Amy. Uh, they're from uh, the prayer furnace, the East Bay Prayer Furnace. And um, also, um, for those of you that don't have a long history with Blazing Fire, uh, Dan and Amy, I'm just sharing this now because I don't want to stop later in the middle of the service and do this, but Dan and Amy, who will be speaking later on, um, they, were, they were some of the elders uh, when Blazing Fire started, for original elders for like the first seven or years or so uh, before they went out to launch this house of prayer, which we blessed and, and helped them to launch. So it's fun when we get back together. It's just family, you know, it's family coming back for Christmas time together, just like a lot of you have families coming, coming together. Um, and then also Linda, um, Chuck was not able to be with us tonight, but Linda is, is doing double duty tonight for both of them. Chuck and Linda uh, are the pastors of Psalm 84, and, um, and actually uh, both of them now are on our board of directors as well, And um, which again, some of you might think is unusual, but it's not in the kingdom when uh, we're, all, we're all brothers and sisters of one family. And... Um, so, um, Dan, by the way, Dan, th this whole front row is for you, for the Knight family, if you want it. If you don't, you don't have to have it, but there you go. All right. <laughs> All right, housekeeping here. <laughs> well, as always, uh, there will be others that, that file in later, so if you guys don't take it, we'll, we'll uh, let others have it. Okay. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah, that, this was for you. Come on up. All of you, all of you, look at this. Yay. This is family. This is cash. We're all good here. No, no, no big deal. Come on up. Wonderful. All right. Um, so I'm going to open us up in prayer. And um, also, could you just show the one other slide, Tina? Uh, I want to let you know if you're around um, New Year's Eve, uh, which is, you know, what, what is that, like 10 days away or something, um, from 8 until midnight. We're going to be right here, and I do know, um, you don't know this, Linda, but Chuck said he would come and, and be part of this, and, uh, <laughs> and, and also um, uh, Marty and Jim Souza from Voice of Triumph are going to come on over. So it's going to be, why are we doing this? Because God... God is so blessing us and so showing up and so reminding us of his heart for the harvest that's coming in for this, for this, this region, and we want to agree with him. So we're going to do lots of worship, um, but also declarations. We're going to, we're going to be prophesying, uh, you know, releasing prophetic words um, over people. So if you want to just come and agree with heaven, help us agree with heaven for this region, but also receive a blessing for your own self for the new year. That's why we're doing this, all right? Um, so there you go. That's in 10 days. Let me, let me pray. Father, we're so grateful to be together and that um, because of Christ, because, 
Because you are the Father of all, and because Jesus, who made everything right for us, we, we come together as, as one in Christ. We come together as brothers and sisters of one family. And that's what you say we are, Lord. That's how you see us. So we thank you for that. We ask God for just a special, sweet, sweet spirit, uh, your spirit, to, to tenderize our hearts, to remind us all over again of the miracle of God coming to us in human form, Christ, Emmanuel, coming to us, and what a difference you've made in our lives. And so also, God, just in the, you know, the, the harriedness of the season, of all the bustling and crowds and everything, in this time, I'm asking God that you would allow us to breathe again, just bring peace to our hearts, and, and remind us, Jesus, you are that Prince of Peace. We love you so much. Amen. So 
Child. 
This was how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her, but he learned of her pregnancy. He secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened so that what the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. Yeah. 
says during the days the Roman Empire Caesar Augustus ordered that the census take through the whole empire okay so everyone had to travel to his or her hometown complete the man to complete the mandatory census so Joseph and his fiance Mary left Nazareth the village in Galilee and journeyed to their hometown in Judah to the village of Bethlehem Let's add that that was on a donkey. King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn babe in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough, since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. That night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the whole field with blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified, but the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today, in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize the, him by the miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a feeding trough. And there, at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back into heaven, the, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves that the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what, they had ha what had happened. Everyone who heard the shepherds' story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flocks, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just as the angels had said. Man, in Luke 2, Jesus enters the world in the same way we do. He is fragile, poor, and vulnerable. A tender life that could so easily be snuffed out. He is announced to the lowly shepherds by heaven's army that this fragile one is the savior of the world for all people. 
that the Lord Almighty now is one of us. Because God is one of us, he knows what it means to be torn from his bed and to flee to safety. He knows what it means to be cold, lonely, and afraid of the dark. Emmanuel, God is one of us. I see Jesus walking to work along the streets of Nazareth and where he's well known. This is God, the Almighty Lord, calling out hello to his neighbors, to his fellow shopkeepers, and the beggars. There is an air of joy and love about him, even as he dodges the chickens and the children playing in the streets. Everyone realizes in some way that there is something very different about Jesus. They feel seen by him. And can it be that they are known by him? He's just Mary and Joseph's son, and there's a little bit of a scandal around that. But still, heart cords are plucked, and something called hope vibrates within them. Emmanuel, God is one of us. From angels' choirs to the veil being torn on the day of Jesus dying for us, God is reaching out to us. Promises from ancient times are being fulfilled. God understands us. Stone hearts can become flesh because Jesus came as a savior, as a child. We can hardly understand the God of the universe, that he would come and live with us, be one of us. We think that to know Jesus, the Lord Almighty, as a human man, that that cannot be honoring. Yet, it is. Jesus desires to be with us, to walk with us, to be his friend. Our hearts know hope, and it is love that causes us to open our hearts to him, to love him, and because we can't help ourselves, we worship him. We worship God, who became man, Emmanuel. Emmanuel now. We have been given the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling in us. We now walk the streets and go through life carrying the same love that Jesus had for the world. We now carry to a dark world his mighty light. The Holy Spirit works within us to bring hope, love, and peace to a world lost in darkness. We can't help but sing joy to the world. And just like Jesus, people sense there's something different about us. We are carrying the love of God to those around us. Loving those around us, we are shining lights in the universe while we dodge shoppers and traffic. Emmanuel, God is one of us. God Almighty is with each one of us. He sees us in our frail, poor, and vulnerable place. He understands. And while we know fear, he knows love. And he wants us to be like him. He knows the love of the Father towards us. The very thing that caused Jesus to come 
to this world to become flesh and blood. Jesus, Emmanuel, shows the heart of the Father that we are no longer servants, but friends of God, righteous and redeemed. Jesus, the Savior, came to save us from all great darkness into his marvelous light. Emmanuel, God is one of us.
sing his name, Jesus, Jesus, you're the holy and anointed one,
Dan pulled his back out at shoveling snow, so y'all can pray for him a little later. Thank you. Thank you. It just makes it hard to stand. I can walk and move and do everything except stand. So I'm totally violating that passage in Ephesians. It's really good to, to see all you guys. It's really great to have uh, be around and, and being with family. That was, that was awesome. Um, so uh, we're trying to be very brief and concise, and I, I love that. So um, I... Uh, <coughs> Amy and I were asked to talk about the name of Jesus. And so, like Karina read so expertly, um, the angel comes to Joseph and says, uh, listen, the girl that you're with, I know you have not been intimate with each other, but she's pregnant. Now, don't react, but she's going to have a baby, and I want you to name that baby Jesus. Name him Jesus. And, and it's very important that you do that. And, and it's because he's going to be the one who saves uh, people from their sins. And so just starting right there, when you think about what the angel could have done, he, you know, the, the angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, you're gonna, you know, your uh, fiancé is going to have a baby, and I want you to name him blank. You know? and, and he could have filled in, in that name, anything there that he, I mean, the universe is open. God hasn't spoken for 400 years at that point. He could have said, I want you to name this baby, the baby who is going to be responsible for us finally hearing the Lord again after 400 years. You know, he could have filled in the blank by saying, it's going to be this baby who breaks the, the oppression of the Romans off of us, finally. You know, and so it could have been you know, one who deals with human pride. But, but the, this angel says, no, I name him Jesus because it's that baby that's going to save us from sins. That's the most important thing. Why, Joseph? And Joseph says, he, he might have said, why, why Jesus? And it's because it's the, the biggest problem in all mankind in the universe of all mankind, people after people groups, seven billion of us around, our biggest problem is sin. And, and why is that? Well, it's because sin, Joseph, I might have had this conversation in a dream, I don't know, in my imagination they did. Sin, Joseph, is, is uh, separation. It's distance from God. God, see, see, Joseph, every day, did you notice how the high priests take the bread and they bring it into the altar and they lay it on the altar, the bread of the presence? Did you notice that, Joseph? It's called the showbread. Sometimes it's called the bread of the presence. Sometimes it's called the, the bread of the faces or of the face, the face of God, the being close to God. Day after day, God is trying to get a message across. I want my people close to me. I want presence. And sin is separation. It's distance. And Jesus is coming to solve that problem. And so when, um, so, you know, when Paul says in Romans 7, the very thing I do, I don't want to do. The thing I don't want to do, that's the thing I do. And, and wretched man that I am, there is no health in me. There is no... Uh, how can I possibly survive? And then he, he says, Paul, this is Paul, you know, the guy who wrote Ephesians and Romans and, and, and most of the New Testament, that's his present tense experience. He wants to be something he's not. He, he keeps getting separated, and he says, I, I keep having these stumblings, and yet my heart is directed towards Jesus. Yet I want him. I want his presence. I want his fullness. I want to be with him. That is where I am. Sin gets in the way. Flesh gets in the way. But my heart, my trajectory is with Jesus. And Paul says, who's going to save me from that? And he says, thanks be to God. There is therefore now no condemnation. Because for people like me who love Jesus, 
There is no condemnation. So though I stumble and though I mess up, there is no condemnation. God says, you have my presence. And so Paul's experience is our experience that when we stumble and when our actions are like inconsistent with who we are in our identity, that there is no ultimate negative judgment. A baby was born. His name was Jesus. He saves us from our sin. He removes the thing that causes distance. Amen. We didn't really compare notes, so he kind of just preached what I was going to say. <laughs> but I have a few different points. So, um, yeah, Matthew 1, 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Um, this is the Savior of a very different kind. Um, he came to save us from our sins. Um, in our day, we're not that much different from the first century Israel. Um, Israel was looking for a Messiah that would deliver them from political oppression from the Roman government. Um, much in the same way, even in our day, um, what do we do? We pray for that candidate, right, that would get in the office, that would make the change to our nation. It's like, well, we're looking for a deliverer, right, to come to our nation. We're like all in this room, revival churches. We're about revival. And how does the Lord bring about revival? He brings it about one heart at a time. So he delivers us from our sins. So it's not going to be the political candidate that's going to bring in the revival. It's going to bring one person at a time, our heart being transformed on the inside. Um, and so that's what he came to do, not necessarily to bring it through. And I'm all about praying for our government and our leaders and all of that. But he wants to bring transformation in our inner man. Um, he wants to do a deep work on the inside of us. He wants to write his law upon our hearts. He wants the river of the living water flowing out of us. So this is what's going to bring transformation to our sphere of influence, to our region, to our state, to our nation. It's going to be transformation in our inner man, one person at a time. Um, the greatest work he does is really the work that he does in us so that we can overcome ourselves. Because we're our own worst enemy. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost easier to pray for the political candidate than it is to surrender ourselves to the Lord. So um, our greatest sin is really that of our self, being self-consumed, our self-idolatry. So just in this season, in this time, and just even in our daily lives, if we would take time to um, just be forgetful of ourselves. Let's just forget about ourselves and look to Jesus. And I think more and more of that brings about the transformation, is being so in love that we are really forgetting ourselves and just going after God with all of our heart. Amen.
Hello. <laughs> um, my name is Lily, and this is my brother Jacob, and you might not remember us, but we are um, currently living in Nevada. We moved from here, Blazing Fire, two years ago, and we are coming back for the Christmas Eve service, and we are going to sing What Child Is This for You? place crying tonight but anyway um, we're gonna uh, watch a short video and uh, I know we've already heard the Christmas story um, a couple times now this is gonna be the the Bible project and um, the reason why I want to show this before um, Suzanne and I can come up and share a little bit is because uh, just as Amy alluded to a minute ago about Jesus coming into and Dan maybe too about Jesus coming into the the, the Roman world and what was going on there 
it's really hard for us to understand what a huge deal this was and the timing when Jesus came. And after all the years of darkness and silence where people were not hearing from God. And, uh, and, and so I want, I want us to watch this and then we're going to um, talk about it a little bit. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In this city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary, saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There were so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate, because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. 
Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. So uh, Suzanne's actually going to start us off, but I did just want to say this about prophecy because we're going to be speaking from Isaiah uh, chapter 9 as we're leading into our, our candlelighting uh, portion tonight. And um, I, do, I just want to say this about prophecy because Isaiah's prophecy that we're going to read was, was obviously given long before Jesus came to the world in the flesh, long before history you know, played it out. And yet when you read it in the scriptures, it's spoken like it's a done deal like it already happened. That's how real prophecy is, because really when God speaks it, it's just a matter of time. Like it's already happened, and we're going to see it play out. So we're going to um, be talking a little bit about Jesus as light and our justice from uh, Isaiah 9. It, is, it really is so good to see so many uh, faces, family faces, friend faces, new faces, new friend. God, I'm going to lose it again. Jesus, you're so good. Isaiah 9, uh, 2 and 3. Those who walked in darkness have seen a radiant light shining upon them. They once lived in the shadows of death, but now a glorious light has dawned. Lord, you have multiplied the nation and given them overwhelming joy. They are ecstatic in your presence and rejoice like those who bring in a great harvest and those who divide up the spoils of victory. I'm going to focus on uh, Jesus being the light. And uh, um, one of my favorite... Uh, decorations, I guess, if you will, is uh, at Christmas time, at this holiday season, is this little, um, I call it a spinny thing, <laughs> because you take some candles, and there's this little thing that spins because of the heat rising, and then these little bells ring. Does anybody else have a spinny thing? Okay, good. Yes. What are they called? Yes, okay, thank you, Angel John. I've called it spinny thing for I don't know how long. So, um, but it's always just that, that light, you know, the light. It, it just, um, I just sit there and just, you know, in the dark or sometimes and just sit 
and stare at that light. And, um, and so um, as I thought about Jesus being the light, and this, uh, this verse, uh, a glorious light has dawned, a glorious light has, has been birthed uh, into the world. And, um, and somewhere in scripture it does say that God is light. He's life and he's light. And I was thinking about what does that mean? And I think about, um, and then I think about God coming down, Jesus coming down incarnate and imagine with me in our sanctified imaginations that God as this light becomes incarnate and that uh, and so to table that for a second and quantum physics lately and science lately it's, it's fascinating that um, I, I pulled out a factoid. Potentially, everything is light. And um, I watched uh, some uh, show that said that we, as humans, are made up of stardust. <laughs> Come on! Can you imagine? So... So, like, science is proving what God has already said and, and, um, and has declared in the person of Jesus that as he is light, as he is the father of lights, we truly are light. We are truly light. And, uh, and so... That just gives a whole new meaning to me for Jesus choosing to become incarnate. This light, this power, this strength, this authority, this beauty comes to earth. And how about this? He comes not only to be with us, not only to save us, but to remind us of who we are as he is in us. And he is light, we are light. And he wants to remind us of the beauty inside us, the glory inside us, the authority inside us, the strength inside us. He wants to come and remind us of who we are and in that, we can be revived. We can have this new life from a place of strength and authority. This light, didn't, it, it's not that, this little light of mine anymore. <laughs> we are going into a time when each one of us, the light, I, I think that's what my spirit is responding to right now, is the light is God's spirit shining in each one of you, lighting up this room. I wish my eyes were open enough to see what this light looks like. And by the way, they are proving that we humans are bioluminescent to some degree, albeit very, 
very, very, um, uh, they, they, they can't, you can't see it with the naked eye. But we give off a glow, and they're proving it. So there, um, a woman named Meg Butcher, um, she, uh, I wanted to quote her. She says, the author of light has the authority to illuminate his creation in its truest form. And so what if we take that? We take that declaration that God can do what he wants to do in us and through us, and he can illuminate us in our truest form, how big we really are, how glorious we really are because of him and his life and his light that flows through us. That we can go into this next decade, into this next season with him walking with us, through us, revived to the nth degree and to bring light like it's never been brought before. Yay, God. <laughs> Note to self, next time Suzanne preaches last. But anyway, um, so I have to follow this. But um, a week ago, do you remember we sang the second song in here? Was Let There Be Light. And the whole room just exploded. Do you remember that? I mean... Let there be light, let there be light. Come and fill up every place. Come and have your way. One more time. Let there be light, let there be light. Come and fill up every space. Come and have your way close. And uh, that, that song. It did, something was just exploding in here. And honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't, I kind of forgot about it. The next morning I woke up and God reminded me and I'm like, what was that? He's trying to get our attention. And um, so I'm going to just finish up the scripture and, and uh, cause really um, what, what I want to talk about is what does that, what does that light look like? What is, what does the light do? And so it goes on. It says, it says, uh, for you have broken the chains that have bound your people. This is what light does. And lifted off the heavy bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor used against them. And now what the light, who the light is then becomes, has a face. As, as Isaiah goes on, he says, a child has been born. I told you, he says this as though it's already happened. Isn't this fascinating? This is prophecy. A child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders. <laughs> All the dominion is his. And his name will be the Wonderful One, the Extraordinary Strategist, that's the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace. Great and vast is his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace, and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. I'm going to hold that last verse for a second. So I'm, I'm just going to state the obvious that this is all about Jesus. 
not just this service, not just Christmas time, I'm talking everything in life, is all about Jesus. It's all from him. It's all going back to him. We're included in him. We are one with him. And, and so he's the one that brings um, justice and righteousness. He takes, what is justice, by the way? My definition is, is God making wrong things right. If I could just simplify it way down. What is justice? We all have a lot of different ideas of justice. And, we, and if we all thought about what we want justice for, it would look very different in this room. But God's justice is Jesus. God's justice is Christ in me, the hope of glory. He doesn't hold anything against me or you. That's his justice. You're like, that's crazy. What kind of justice is that? That's God's justice. That's his idea of justice. Freedom. Righteousness, which means you are right with God. This is his justice. And we're the ones that we, you know, especially if we feel wronged, we want, we want retribution. We want somebody to pay. Guess what? Jesus paid. It's done. He paid. Our justice is we are in him. Just, um, just for a moment, just, just close your eyes and kind of center in this way. Like sometimes what I do is I literally just put my fingers like kind of, you know, middle of, like right below my breastplate right there. And I, it just, to me, it just feels like that's a centered place for me. And um, I want you to repeat after me, God, your justice, God, your justice. is Christ in me. Christ in me. Let's say that one more time. God, your justice, God, your justice is, Christ in me. is Christ in me. Thank you, Jesus. We just needed that. We needed that time to say this is what it's about. Christ in me. This is the miracle. This is it. This is why he came. Christ in me. And while we were worshiping, I'll just end with this, and, um, and then I'm gonna, and then I'll finish the last verse. But while we were worshiping, you know, it's crazy because I put this service together. You know, like I don't normally tell Todd what to sing, but on this night I, I did. I picked songs, and then and then we're. We're singing, all of a sudden I'm just bawling like a baby when we're singing, there's something about that name as if I didn't even know the song was coming. <laughs> Whoosh, but there is, because there's something about that name. Jesus, there's just something about you and it's what we're all longing for. Lord, forgive us when we keep trying to fill it with stuff and with, you know, things just to, to try to, yeah, we just get, we get bored at times, we get discouraged. Jesus, you're the answer to everything. And so while we were also, while we were worshiping, I really had a sense again, as happens sometimes with me, where I feel the saints of God here. And, and you know, don't get too weirded out by that. It's in scripture. <laughs> you know, the saints are in a great cloud of witnesses around us. And, uh, and, and I just, even because in this time, I don't know about you, but sometimes why we can get sometimes sad at Christmas is because that's when families all together, it's when we start missing the people who aren't here, you know? But you know what God's justice is? God's justice is that we're going to be with him forever and with the ones we love forever. What? Wow. That's his justice. So that even the things that feel like they're separation, he says, no, you don't have the full picture yet. And this is why in the end he says, like, how, do we, how can we know this is all going to happen? Because the marvelous passion 
that the Lord Yahweh, commander of the angel armies, has for his people will ensure that it is finished. In other words, all the things that we hope for with heaven, just like Isaiah preached that it's already a done deal, all the things we're hoping for, guess what? It's already a done deal. We're going to walk right into it. It's all real. So I just want to bless you this Christmas and, and uh, with just that sense of awareness of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the certainty of glory. And um, we're going to move into a, a, a time of, of uh, lighting the candles. And so if we could actually start passing those out. There's a, everybody, gets, everybody gets one. That's kind of like Jesus. Everybody's in. Everybody's included. Nobody is excluded in Christ. Yeah. Charles, oh, would you oh, would you do me a favor and turn off the hall lights too? Yeah. We're going to turn off we're going to turn off some lights around here. Thank you. And even these two, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as they're passing these out, um, I love the imagery. I've always, um, I grew up in a traditional church and um, I, you know, Christmas Eve far and away was my favorite, favorite, favorite time, favorite service, favorite time, and the favorite time of Christmas, of all Christmas. I, I, I liked Christmas, even as a kid, I think I liked Christmas Eve better than even Christmas morning unwrapping presents. And uh, because there was something magical about it, there was something um, my spirit was already at an early age grabbing hold of the truth of just how real this is, Christ in us and the light in us. Um, and so, um, so in just a moment, I know we're still, we're still passing it out, but we'll begin to um, light the candles even as we begin singing. And the imagery that I love about this is that this is, as, as Amy just said, how does revival happen? It happens one heart at a time. When, when it says in, uh, later in Isaiah that the whole earth is filled with his glory, that is true because everything is made in Christ through him for him. So that's true. But also his glory, how the world starts glowing with his glory is through each one of us as uh, lit up with his light. And, and I think you know this, but there are millions of people a day coming to Jesus. Millions a day. Don't be fooled by the news reports. Um, especially in places like China, especially in places, you know, North Korea, places that you think are the darkest, guess what? The light is shining brightly. And people are coming in droves to Jesus every single day by the millions around the world. 
So I'm just letting you know that this is what happens. So as we're lighting the candles and as the room starts to glow more and more, just understand this is what's going on on the earth. And, and Jesus had that in mind when, when he was in, uh, when he came to the earth and when the Father uh, had him choose a select handful of people. You know, if it were you and me, we might get on the internet, you know, and like blast out something so that millions of people can hear about it. Jesus had this idea, and that is, I'm going to let a few people into the depth of my heart to know who I am. They're going to be transformed. They're going to be filled with my spirit, and they're going to go out and change one person at a time. And now here we are, and there are billions of people who have come to Jesus, billions by now. So um, I would like to ask if those who spoke tonight, yeah, Suzanne and yeah, Linda and Dan and Amy, come on up, because this, this candle uh, just represents the light of Christ, him. He's always been lit. He didn't just come to the earth to be a light, but he has always, yeah, come on up. Come on up here, Dan. You can move that, yeah. But, um, you know, the Bible says before the foundation of the earth, Christ died for our sins. Like this was never an afterthought. Uh, but there was a time when he came so that the world could see his light, so that they would know what a father really looks like because we didn't know. So he came to live it out for us. And guess what? We are called Christians, which means little Christs. Did you know that? Did you know that? Which means we get to be that light everywhere we go. And so just as Jesus called a few friends around and, and invested himself in, in them, we're, uh, as leaders, we're going to go ahead and light our candles and just begin to fan out and light yours as we worship together. Ah, so one last practical thing is that when your uh, candle is being lit, if your candle's lit, keep it upright, the person that's lighting it sideways. That way we don't drip on things, okay? Does that make sense? So why don't you go ahead and I'll light from that one.
See you. 
Thank you, Jesus. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We join with the angels and the saints and all of heaven in worshiping you and saying glory to you, King Jesus. Glory to you, King Jesus. We exalt you. We exalt you, Jesus. You are the King of kings, Jesus. You are the Lord of lords. We love you, Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for setting us free. Thank you for taking the rod of the oppressor off of our backs and our necks. Thank you for taking away the curse of the law that we could not keep. Jesus, you are our freedom. You are our joy. You are the prize. You are our treasure. You are the greatest gift we will ever have. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We're going to end with one more song. And uh, this is the time nobody wants, which is to blow out these amazing candles. But what I want you to do if you blow, as you blow it out, I, uh, especially if you're a visual kind of person, but I want you to see as you're blowing it out like this huge engulfing flame that's inside of you because <laughs> this flame is not it. It's much better than this. But we just say Christ in us, the hope of glory. Heart the herald angels sing Glory to
This has been such a joy. Jesus, you are our joy, and it's been such a joy to be with you all. I, uh, this is just a time for family, and like we just said, we're going to be with each other forever. We are. We're going to enjoy Jesus forever together. So I pray within each one of you as you leave, um, truly, truly, that, that birth of Christ all over again. You know, Jesus says, come back to your first love. That's just a rebirth of the love of Christ in you, and I pray that over you, and as you go, and as you're with your families, whether they know Jesus or not, you are his light. So I bless you with that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.